This is episode 68 of the Popcast. Welcome to the Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Josh and Maureen Goldman. We are back, everybody. Another week. Maureen, how are you? Great, honey. How are you? Well, I'm not great. And I have to say the reason why is because we've just ended daylight saving time. And, I, you know, I used to like this when I was when I was younger because you used to fall back and get an hour. But I don't like it anymore. I really don't. No, it's miserable. For anyone who has children, we feel you. We're sorry. But it's not even about that. Now that I'm an it's adult. It's also just sad that it gets dark. But I, I'm sorry, honey. We have to pause because... I can't believe you were starting off this podcast by saying you're not great when this week the Washington Nationals, your fave baseball team since you were little and they started, won the World you're Series. Right. I'm like, so happy what about are you that. joking that you're complaining about daylight savings? I'm time? very happy about that, and I am overjoyed. I watched like on the edge of my seat. In fact, during game seven, Maureen was on the couch with me and I would not move from my spot. I was so hot where I was sitting. I was like covered in a pillow and a blanket, but I was like sweating. I wouldn't move. And then they won. And then I jumped up. I was so excited. I went to the parade in DC yesterday. It was so fun. I can't believe it. And yet his lead off for this podcast was nothing good's happening. Daylight savings Not what I said. I don't. I said, I don't like daylight saving. No, I do like daylight saving time. Do you know it's daylight saving time, not savings time? I did not. Well, now you know. And now all of our listeners know too. I like daylight saving time. I don't know why we have to go back in the in the winter. It just doesn't make any sense. So they do it, I think, because... Yeah, they say you save energy, whatever, whatever. Oh, no, that's not what I was going to oh. say. Okay, I thought it was because in the winter, as we've been seeing, it's dark in the morning. And so it's hard to get up and go to work or go up, get up and go to school for kids I thought it was because they're trying to make it lighter in the morning so that you can like get up and go. Let's be real. It's hard to go to work, even if it's late outside yeah. sometimes. So oh, I don't know. I think we should just keep daylight saving time all year round so that, you know, it How goes. How long does it go until March? Till March. So we have four months of this. It's like a, over 100 days of getting dark really, really early. really bringing me down. Sorry. I mean, everybody thinks, oh, it's great. I got an extra hour. And then they forget that. Now it's going to be dark by four o'clock in the winter. (sighs) Okay, Maureen, we got some feedback on our candy bracket showdown last week. We certainly did. Some people were upset that we didn't include their favorite candy. And I have to to apologize for that, but we could only include 16. We tried to pick the most popular ones that, you know, you see on Halloween. And we did see a lot of them. Yeah, we did. The one we saw a lot of that was not in the bracket was Tootsie Roll. That's exactly what I was going to say. But we mentioned that last week that we probably should have had it in. It would have roundly lost, soundly lost, roundly lost in the first round. It would have just been knocked out. So that's okay. And then I heard someone say, you know, to to validate what I was saying, that Milky Way is the best candy bar. Now, it didn't win our bracket. I also heard someone say, Smarties, Josh, really? Okay. All right. I had some Smarties this week. They lost in the first round, but I still, I maintain they're pretty good candy. They're gross. I would never eat them. Well, are they? I like them. And then I had another person say that they thought that Crackle was actually better than Crunch, even though they're very similar candy bars. They are made by different people, but I, I think they're pretty similar, yeah. right? What was our winner again? Kit Kat. Yeah. So Josh, we, I thought that was right. Anyway, Josh bought a bag of candy for in case we got any trick-or-treaters, and he chose to buy Kit Kat, And we winner. got zero trick-or-treaters. We got zero trick-or-treaters, and the bag is gone, ladies and gentlemen. We ate the entire thing. It wasn't just me. It was Maureen and I. It was a tag team effort. Yeah, I said we. Okay. 
Yeah. I, I maintain it's a great candy. I, you know, have, having it is sampled, satisfied every time I've like wanted a candy. It's true. Having had some of the other candies, I can see how some of them might make a, a case for number one, but I'm, I'm I've happy with I've been recently into Skittles. Oh, gosh. I really like them, and, and Caleb got a bunch. Well, don't worry. They made it to the final four, but they did not win. Somebody even gave him orange Skittles. Oh, he loved that. The tropical flavor. I was so jealous. I will say that on our trick-or-treat adventures this year, we did go to the full-size candy bar house, and they did not offer us a full-size candy bar this year. No, they, they did offered not. another like little. You know, they gave them a lot of candy. I, I guess think a those lot of full-size people... candy bars are de- like not a decoy, like a, a, a yeah. F- no, not a decoy, like a false alarm, like a tease, like, like a red like, herring. Yeah, maybe like they're like we're gonna put these out and th- make you think we're gonna give you one, but we're just gonna eat these later. Really? Yeah. That's so rude. <laughs> That's so mean. Why Either that or they're saving them for their friends. Yeah, maybe so. All right, Maureen, should we jump into our snack bag this week? Yeah. We have a full snack bag this week. After the previous two weeks of not having anything in the snack bag, really, this week we have a full snack bag. Okay, what's number one? Number one, are you familiar with the musical Tick, Tick, Boom by Jonathan Larson? Yes. So Jonathan Larson, for those of you who don't know, wrote the musical Rent. But actually, before he wrote Rent, he wrote another musical called Tick, Tick, Boom that they're making into a movie. Mm. And the person who's directing the movie is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh. And they've cast the lead who? in that. And it is Andrew Garfield. No. Yeah. Can you sing? See, that's the thing. I don't know. But here's my problem. The director of the movie, Lin-Manuel Miranda, he can't sing. Really well. So maybe he thinks Andrew Garfield yeah, can Andrew sing. Yeah, but Andrew Garfield isn't like a prodigy who's written a bunch of like... No, that's fair. He's a good actor. Like, I think he's a really good actor. I think he'll do the acting part of this really well. But it is a musical. Also, why couldn't Lin-Manuel, Broadway, like, Renaissance man, why couldn't he pick a Broadway actor instead of a movie star? It may have been the producers who said that you need to cast someone who's going to sell tickets now this is going to be a netflix produced thing so i don't know if it's exclusively coming out on the netflix service or if it will be released in theaters but yeah i'm not i don't know how i feel about this but i was wrong about jake chillenhall you know i never thought that he could sing and then i heard him sing and he's a great singer so maybe andrew garfield will surprise us and he'll be good tick tick boom no matter what has to be better than cats is going to be in a couple months I think I we're going to have to see that and then yeah. talk about it. Yeah, 100%. All right, Maureen, our next snack bag topic. A, a couple months ago, it might have even been last year sometime, we first talked about the Game of Thrones prequel that was coming, and it was going to star Naomi Watts. Oh, right. And so they shot a pilot. They, they finished it. They cut it together. They showed it to HBO, and HBO said, thanks but no thanks, <gasps> and they are passing on the Game of Thrones prequel starring Naomi Watts. But Why? I guess they didn't like it. Is it bad? I have no idea. We'll never see it. It'll never see the light of day. But interestingly enough, the same day they canceled that one or announced that it was canceled, they announced that another Game of Thrones prequel, which is set just 300 years before the events of Game of Thrones, it's going to focus exclusively on the Targaryens, which is one of the major houses in Game of Thrones. That one is moving forward. And not only are they going to go forward with a pilot, they've already ordered the entire first season. So they paid for it. My gosh, Without poor Naomi anything. must have been really bad. I don't know if she was bad or if the story just didn't didn't work out. I have no idea. I have no idea. But that Naomi Watts Game of Thrones prequel will never see the light of day. Mm. And so now we're going to get one called House of the Dragon, which is going to be all about the Targaryens. Sounds like House of Cards. Maybe it will be. I have no idea. I, you know, I, I'm sort of 
finished with Game of Thrones at this point. Like yeah. the the show ended so badly for me that I just don't have any desire to see any more Game of Thrones. Assuming we still have access to HBO at that point, I may watch it. It's not going to come out until 2021 because they just announced it and they have to cast it and film it and, you know, whatever. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm kind of over Game of Thrones. What yeah. do you think? Uh, I feel similarly because the ending was just so poor. But I'm just thinking about like Star Wars and how they did like, you know, they had the movies four, five and six and they went back and did one, two and three. And they, you know, went back and did seven, eight, nine. And, I, you know, they're all over the place. And that universe is exploding right now. People don't even care. All they hear is Star Wars and they're like, it doesn't even need to make sense. It can be its own story. The Mandalorian. Like, what are we talking about here? So I feel like Game of Thrones has that potential. And it I definitely think... has that potential. The world is big enough. I just personally, I feel like I invested so much but in Game are... of Thrones, the series. Yeah, but you're that's so funny because you're into Star Wars and you don't even like Star Wars that much. It's funny because I really do like Star Wars, but I'm really not. So the, the ninth the Skywalker movie that episode nine is coming out in December, the very last one in this main trilogy that started in 1977. And I'm not that excited about it. I, I don't know what it is. I, mm-hmm. I want to be excited about it. I've, I've gone to see all the other ones. I saw the other seven and eight, you know, the night they came out and this one, I'm just sort of eh about, I don't know yeah. if there's other things that I'm just more interested in, but so then maybe you'll love this game of Thrones prequel because maybe it's not about, like the exact story that let you down. Maybe See, that's it's... what I was hoping. That's why I was interested in the original prequel, yeah. the one with Naomi Watts, because it was set thousands of years and before. And it's the same world. This is now set 300 years before with characters that were referenced. So mm. like the Targaryen, you know, people who had the dragons and ruled Westeros. I, I don't know. I'm just, uh, maybe in 2021, I'll be interested. But for You're now. You're so bothered by this. This I'm is just hysterical. Not, you know, they're doing it because they know they can make money. But I hope that it's artistically good. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? All right, Maureen, last snack bag topic, a rather sad topic, but, you know, one I think we should talk about because both of us like this show a lot, but a a character from the original season of Survivor has passed away. So this character, uh, this person named Rudy, Rudy Bosch, he was the oldest contestant ever to appear on Survivor. He was 72 when Survivor Borneo, the original Survivor, aired. He was pretty famous at the time. He was he had, a, he had an unconventional relationship with the winner of that season, Richard Hatch, and he came back for Survivor All-Stars. Very like crotchety old, you know, guy who was who had served in the military for 45 years. He passed away at the age of 91. Yeah. Josh told me this this morning and I was like, oh, that's so sad. I watched Rudy on All All Stars. And you know what? Then I thought we should all be as lucky as Rudy to live such a full and wonderful life in good health into our old age. I mean, to live to 91 is such an amazing accomplishment. And I mean, to play Survivor at 72. like. And when he played for All Stars, he was 75. I hope that you know, I'm in as good of shape as he was to be able to do that. It is pretty crazy when you think about someone who's 75 going out to an island with no food, no water, no resources. Playing against 25-year-olds. Right, and and playing against people that young and, you know, holding his own. Now, he didn't do as well in Survivor All-Stars. He made it very far in the original Survivor, but that's, that's really impressive. Yeah. So rest in peace, Rudy. We'll always remember watching you on Survivor. Maureen, our premier topic this week another edition of Critically Panned. Yeah, I wasn't as excited about this one, you guys, but it ended up being a good experience rewatching it. So excited to dive into this one. In episode 56, we did our second installment of the Critically Panned series, where we take a look at a movie that received poor critical reviews but remains a classic. 
And this week, we are bringing you our third installment in the series and taking a look at the 2001 film A Knight's Tale, starring Heath Ledger. Someday, I'll be a knight. Yes, William. If he believes enough, a man can do anything. We could do this. In one month, we could be on our way to glory and riches none of us ever dreamed of. You can't even joust. I think he's getting worse. He is getting worse. I won't spend the rest of my life as nothing. You have to be of noble birth to compete. So we lie. My lords, my ladies. I have the pride, the privilege, nay, the pleasure of introducing to you a knight sired by knights. William Thatcher didn't make the rules. He was born. I've waited my whole life for this moment. To break them. Written and directed by Brian Helgeland, an Academy Award winner in 1997 for writing L.A. Confidential, the film grossed $117 million on a budget of $65 million, so they did make some money. Although, we'll talk about this movie. I don't know what they spent $65 million on. <laughs> Lances. And then here's the brief description taken from Wikipedia about the movie in case you haven't seen it. But if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it and then come back to our show. And I did discover upon researching for the podcast that it's available for free online through a service called Sony Crackle. Not really sure what that is, but it did work when we watched it. It seems legit and it is a Sony product, so it seems like it's okay to use, totally legal. Or you might be like us and own both a copy on VHS and DVD. Anyway, here's the summary. The story is is told in an anachronistic style with many modern references and follows a peasant named William, played by Heath Ledger, who poses as a knight and competes in tournaments, winning accolades and acquiring friendships with such historical figures as Edward the Black Prince and Geoffrey Chaucer. That's actually a pretty terrible description of the movie. I don't know. I think it's pretty accurate. All right. So before we jump into some of our questions, as we like to do during the series, I'm going to read some of the choice reviews from the critics. So this first review is from Susan. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce her last name. It looks to be a Polish name, but she was a USA Today writer in 2001. She wrote, May please aficionados of oldies stations and extreme sports, but few others. Ooh, yikes. And then Stephanie Zacharek from Salon.com wrote, It will rock you straight to sleep. And then the last review that I picked out here is from John Zembrowski from the Seattle Times. He said, a meandering story packed with corny moments, mostly dull acting, and a star who, hype aside, shares only an accent with fellow Australian Russell Crowe. Did you remember that Heath Ledger was Australian? Yeah, I knew he was. That's why his accent was so wacky. I knew he was too, but when we were watching this movie again, I did not remember that he was Australian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I thought he was American. But funny that this guy, John Zembrowski, should point that out because he makes a claim here that Heath Ledger is not a good actor, yet he did go on to be nominated for an Academy Award for Brokeback Mountain and then win an Academy Award after he passed away for The Dark Knight. So joke's on you, John Zembrowski. I mean, this role was not his award-winning role. Okay, so the first thing we like to do here is where Maureen and I will be the critic. We'll each give a two-sentence critique of the movie. I'll go first, and then Maureen can give hers. I wrote, this tale of William Thatcher is a classic one, but just because we've seen the zero to hero story before doesn't mean this one won't surprise you and maybe even move you along the way. 
That is generous. Maureen's looking at me like, that is not how I would describe this movie. I Maureen, okay. Maureen mentioned up front that she was not excited about rewatching this movie as a critically panned because she didn't think she, she loved it. I don't know if she Meanwhile, I'm it. the one who owns it on VHS. Like, I, I've had this forever. Yeah. And 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 so then we were we were rewatching it, and Maureen was not going to sit through the whole thing with me. But then, as the movie kept there going, there are some good parts. She kept watching. Here's what I would say: This is less than a chick flick than many other chick flicks. If you need a date night movie, maybe pick this one with Heath Ledger. It's fun. It's quirky, and Paul Bettany gives an amazing performance as often naked Jeffrey Chaucer. I thought you. I thought when you said it's fun, I thought you said it's fine, and I was like. <laughs> It's not the most glowing it's review fine. here. Okay, so did you do you know the Rotten Tomatoes score? No, what okay, is it? Okay, do you want to guess? Because I, I seventeen. Seven. Oh, whoa! Wow, you really <laughs> think people hated this? I mean, it's not great. So, in order for something to be "quote unquote" rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, it has to be under sixty percent, and that's the criteria we use to pick movies for this. Okay, fifty-three. Little, oh, you're closer. Fifty-eight. So it was pretty oh, close. It was just under. Just under, but it was considered rotten. You know, a lot of the a lot of the reviewers did not like it as yeah. I as I read. So, are you surprised? No. You, you seem surprised that it's higher. I here. am surprised that it's higher. Here's the thing: I am a connoisseur of romantic comedies, and I think this falls squarely into that category. No, rom- you think that this is a romantic comedy? I mean, that's I, how you would classify what it. What would you classify it as? I don't know. A fun romp through history. Didn't we say that about a national treasure? <laughs> I don't know. This one to me has less of like the cult classic vibe that National Treasure does because it's so bad it's good or like. Are you telling me that if this was on TV and you were just flipping channels, you wouldn't stop and watch this? I don't know. I would. I I know, honey. I know. Josh, this is not a like. Look, I think this movie is good. If you've never seen it, it's definitely worth watching. I think at well, the that's time. That's the last question, Maureen. You're jumping way ahead. I'm sorry. At the time, it was also like Heath Ledger was a big deal. And I still like seeing this makes me sad. Like it makes me like miss him. Like he I was I was going to say he was really good in this. He's very adorable in this. Like his accent. He's charismatic. Inconsistent. Yeah, he's charismatic. But he's just his like adorable self. Like he's one of the best parts of the movie. Him and Paul Bettany, in my opinion. So I should point out that this got a 58 percent from the critics, which was a total of 148 reviews. But. The audience score, which was tabulated from 378,000 people responding, gave it a 79%. Yeah. So so people like this. And I, maybe I'm not the only one who likes to watch it when it comes on TV, Maureen. <laughs> okay, so the next question after the talking about the rate, Rotten Tomatoes rating. What about this movie makes it good? We're going to talk about the highlights here. Then we'll talk about the lowlights. So, and you can loop this into if you want to talk about your MVP of the movie, because that's another question we talk about. And then when we talk about the lowlights, we'll talk about our LVP, our least valuable player. So talk to me about highlights and who's your MVP of this movie. Highlights for me are definitely like the band of brothers like Brigade. So you've got Heath, who's playing William or Sir Oric von Lichtenstein, um, his fake noble name but basically you've got this band of misfits who are like all squires or jeffrey chaucer who's a writer they have no money they're poor and they're trying to like change change their stars as the movie says and that to me is very appealing like you've got these goofy i mean robert baratheon is there (laughs) yeah mark addy plays one of uh sir ulrich's squires here yeah um and Paul have, Bettany, as I've mentioned, who plays Jeffrey Chaucer. Who's the redhead's name? Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Who's, who's, by the way, American. Did you know that? I did not. His accent was great. Pretty good. Um, so I really like that 
dynamic. You know, you've got, they've all got their kind of like stock personalities, but they have a lot of fun interactions and it's very like brotherly and, you know, just like that to me, I think they have a lot of funny moments. I'm just trying to think of other highlights. Do you like, do you like the story overall? I mean, it's got the underdog. Like he's, he's a really good guy who's like trying to like make something of himself. And I really like that. The part where it gets a little lost on me is when he like then sees the girl and like falls in love with the okay, girl. Okay, we'll save that like, for your low lights, Maureen. Okay. My MVP? MVP is definitely Paul Bettany as Jeffrey Chaucer. I just think he's freaking hilarious in this part. He's got some great lines. He ends up playing the Herald, which is the one who like announces um, Heath Ledger's character as the knight. And he, I mean, he's funny. He's just funny. It's, written well but I think his delivery is exceptional he takes some maybe like over the top speeches and his comedic timing with them is just really delightful I just think he's a treat you don't expect him or need him to be great in this movie but he is and he's just like this amazing like like sprinkles on your ice cream sundae okay so the things that I like about this movie I I really like the story and I have to agree I really like the the sort of like go from nothing to being something and this idea of like changing your stars like when I was younger and I watched this I don't know I might have been in high school I just remember like watching that part and being really inspired which might be a corny thing but for like a 15 or 16 year old that like meant something to me also hilarious because it's not like you were in a caste system or like no no I just I just I think the idea that if you put your mind to it you can do anything that type of thing I also really now as a as a parent myself I really like the relationship that Heath Ledger's character has with his father. So the story goes that he, you know, he left home when he was younger to go serve this other knight. And he's he's not he's been away from his family forever. And he doesn't know if his father's even still alive. And then he meets back up with him towards the end of the movie. And they have this like really moving moment where his father's blind now and can't see him, but he recognizes his son. And it's just like this great moment where, you know, as a parent now, I really connect with that. Like seeing your, seeing your son or or reconnecting with your son after all these years. And he's now grown up, but you're still so proud of him. And he's there at the end when, you know, he, he, completes the journey from zero to hero. And I really like that. So my MVP of this, it's sort of a two-part thing. I really like Heath Ledger in this. I think he's great. I don't think the movie works without someone like him, who's both like a good-looking guy to like lead the cast, but also is really charismatic. I, I can see what you're saying about his accent. But to me, that, that didn't bother me as yeah. much because... Everybody in the movie has a seemingly different accent. So like the armorist that they go meet up with, her name is Kate. She's from Ireland or Scotland. And it's just like everybody seems to be from a different place. So that didn't bother me so much. I, th- I think he gives a nice performance in this. And then my other MVP that I remembered when we rewatched this is that I really like the original score for this. So this was the music was written by a guy named Carter Burwell, who would go on later to score two movies and be nominated for Academy Award twice. I thought the music in this movie was really great. So that is my pick for MVP of A Knight's Tale. I think you made a really good point about Heath Ledger, Josh, that like it takes a certain, I was going to say like brand of actor, but he's both very good looking and charming, but also kind of bumbling and unassuming. And I think that that gives it, that makes it believable in this case that he's, I just think he, this, this just shows that he is a good actor. Like I think that he's able to take, I mean, I can see what you're saying. Like not everybody has this, but if you think about other famous actors at that time period, like think about young Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, they were about at their prime at this time, you know, as, as leading men. Can you see either of them doing this? I just I think it would be so goofy. 
like seeing one of and maybe it's just because we know Heath Ledger in this part but I just can't see either of them in this role yeah no and I can't see anybody who's like too pretty or too good looking like you have to have something that's a little bit off the beaten path you know who I could see in this who Leo he would, he would done... never do this part. Are you kidding me? He did the man in the iron mask. It was a little Romeo and Juliet-ish too at times. Yeah. I, I, I could see him doing this. 2001, eh, it's a little too like high profile. Probably didn't want to do that at that time. Probably trying to pick his roles a little bit more. But I could see him acting well in this. He'd be good in this. Maybe this would be way more enjoyable for me if Leo was in it. Okay, Maureen. Okay. Sorry, Heath. I love Heath. All right. So now we're going to talk about low lights and your LVP. Maureen, do you agree with the critics at all here? And who is your least valuable player? I think we're going to have the same LVP. Really? Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, who do My you think? My LVP is the girl. Yeah, me the, too. The love interest. Yeah. She's just kind of blah to me. And I think that's probably how they wrote her and directed her. But ugh, I don't know. I'm like, you see her for two seconds and she's kind of rude. And you're like, why does he even like her? And her costumes are whack. Her costumes and her hair are completely like non, I guess not as much her costumes. Her hair is like non-time period at all. They like do it in these like weird art deco looking Well, what's interesting about styles. That, that choice is that some of the other things that they did, like the, the rock music that they right. play is also done in that way. But she's the only character that they do that with the look. It's very That I can weird. think of. Yeah. She's, um, she's my LVP as well. And and to be honest, she did not go on to do a ton of great things. I'm looking at her IMDb page here, and it looks like A Night's Tale was one of her first. Actually, it was her first film role ever. She had done a TV show and not really had a part in that. So this is like her first actual part. And she has not gone on to do a ton. She was in a couple more TV shows, a couple other movies. But I don't I don't think she's that good. Her name is Shannon Sossaman is the actress's name. She plays Jocelyn in the movie she's she's blah okay lv uh, so lvp is is jocelyn yeah also jasper i mean that's not his name well in it's his name in a different movie what is it his name in it's in his the, name in the christmas the holiday the holiday, the holiday. <laughs> the okay so Switch. for those of you who couldn't follow any of that <laughs> we're talking about the character of count adamar he's the villain in a knight's tale played by a guy who was in the movie The Holiday, Mm -hmm. where he is also a villain in that movie. Yeah, he's got hair and eyes like only a villain can have. He's dark and kind of like bug-eyed. Rufus Rufus Sewell, or Rufus Sewell, I don't know how you you pronounce it, but yeah, he... He, he's not an LVP for me. He's just not my favorite. I just, I don't know. He was just an LVP for me because he's like 20 years older than Heath Ledger. At least that's what he seems like in this movie. And he's just kind of like there all the time. I just don't, I need less of him. Okay. So do you agree with the critics at all that this is just sort of, eh, it's corny. It's, it's not great. Yeah. So here's the thing. I think it could have been great, but it just misses the mark. I don't know. They're, like there was something about the like, modern rock fusion that like could have been really great but was just okay and there was something about the story that that, like could have been really great but like the way it landed was just okay so i think this one has great potential this is a great like friday night pizza night movie but it's not one that like i think is a classic of all time you know it's interesting you say that because one of the reviews that i did not 
put in the in the uh, choice reviews, but is really relevant to what you just said, is a guy by the name of Jeff Paver, who wrote for the Toronto Star. He wrote, basically, a thrift store bin of borrowed ideas and careworn teen cliches, A Knight's Tale executes one of the most drastic wastes of promise this side of a gifted high school slack off. So he seemed to think the same thing you did, which is this idea could have been really great. And I think part of the problem is that they don't, you know, it doesn't bother me that they have the rock music or that they have some, you know, modern themes in there. But they definitely did not go as far as they could. And they don't they don't do it consistently. They don't commit to it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I can totally see what you're saying. What do saying. you think? Do you agree with the critics? Or are you still on team? I would watch this movie anytime oh, it's I'm, on. Oh, I'm definitely on on team. I would watch this anytime it's on. But look, it's not an Academy Award winner. But that's not what you're going in hoping for here. For me, this is just one of those movies that is infinitely rewatchable. And it's just a fun thing to watch. So infinitely that's Infinitely rewatchable? Yes, it's I could watch It's not in that category for me. What movie to you is infinitely rewatchable? Love Actually, The Notebook. Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. The first VHS of Titanic. <laughs> you know what's funny? I actually had someone, I I think it was someone I work with, say the exact same thing, that you have to watch it on VHS and you can only watch yeah. the first VHS. You basically just stop when they hit the iceberg and then you yeah. rewind back to the beginning. Yeah, no. I like the I like the whole movie. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do. I think this is something I could watch over and over. Now, would I watch Ten it every things day? things I hate about you is in that category for me. This one is not. This is not something I would watch every day, but it's something I could watch over and over and i have watched over and over and you too can watch it on sony crackle (laughs) whatever that is all right so the last thing we're going to talk about here is nitpicks anything stand out for you and her hair (laughs) okay aggressively so and you already said weird the heath ledger's accent not only his just the inconsistency of accents throughout and that was a problem you had with game of thrones too yeah I know when I said that, you're just thinking of Peter Dinklage as Tyrion. Tyrion and his horrible, horrible accent. My only nitpick is that because this movie is not so full of depth, the characters are all kind of one note. So like William Heath Ledger's character gets a little bit more to do, but his sidekicks are definitely one note. And especially Count Adamar, the Jasper <laughs> character, he is super one note. Like he doesn't have anything. He's just evil. I think one of the great things about great villains in movies is when you can sort of see their side sometimes. And this guy, Adamar, you're just like, nope, nope, can never see your side. Yeah, there's nothing else there. No, and and they don't, it's not that kind of movie. Maureen, before we wrap up this conversation, what did they spend $65 million on? I really, I mean. They had to rent a lot of horses? Make a lot of armor? The, the wooden lances. The lances? So they basically, they were made of balsa wood. So they would splinter and crack. And inside the middle, they filled them with linguine, dry linguine. Why? so that So that when they cracked, it would like explode and you'd be able to see it on camera. Weird. Yeah. So that's a little fun fact for you guys. Linguine is cheap. That's not $65 million. <laughs> they were like, we need $65 million. We need 65 million boxes of linguine. I mean, the extras? I, I don't know. I can't figure out what they spent $65 million on, but... Yeah, maybe salaries. I don't know. They it it is really interesting because they had you know when you look at the cast, a lot of these people did go on to do a lot of stuff. I mean, Heath Ledger, future Academy Award winner. You know, Mark Addy was in Game of Thrones. Alan Tudyk's done a lot of stuff. Je- uh, uh, Paul Bettany as he's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, like these people are not slackers. Not to mention Wimbledon. 
Oh yeah, lest no, you forget. Oh, I forgot one of his. <laughs> oh, I forgot. All right, and hilarious then of course, romantic And comedy. then of course, Rufus Sewell went on to do uh, the Holiday <laughs> and be Jasper. All right, Maureen. Last thing, you already sort of mentioned this, so I'll just say, is it worth the watch? I think it is. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, definitely go watch it. It's a lot of fun, and you can watch it for free right now. Yeah, I don't think you'll watch it more than once, but it's definitely worth the watch. Unless you're like me and you fall in love with it, and you'll watch it a bunch. <laughs> All right, Maureen. Let's move on to our teasers to wrap this episode up. Do you want to go first? Sure. So my teaser is a sketch comedy piece by Stephen Colbert and his team. It's about Hallmark movies or Lifetime movies. And basically, Stephen Colbert does a whole spoof on how they're making their own Christmas movies on these cheesy topics. Um, A friend of mine is actually in it. She's the candy cane girl. So that was really exciting. And it's just really funny. If you've watched any of the Hallmark movies. Or even if you've just seen commercials for them. It's really, these are really funny. These spoofs are really funny. So I would Google this, Stephen Colbert, oh, Hallmark. We'll put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Movies. We'll link it in the show notes, everybody. Don't Google it. You don't have to because you can just click in the show notes. All right. My teaser this week is a Netflix show called Living With Yourself. This is the show that Paul Rudd is in. So Paul Rudd plays himself and then he has a clone made of himself evil, on accident. Evil clone? Uh, not necessarily evil. It's just a really interesting story. I, I just finished the series. It's only eight episodes long. Each episode's about 30 you minutes. You finished so. the series? Yeah, it's just one season. So, oh. and each episode is only 30 minutes long. So it's it's not a, you know, if you're not looking to commit a bunch of time, this could be something you might be interested in. I'd recommend it for anybody who likes Paul Rudd. If you like him, there's double the Paul Rudd. Who thought we'd be here? Not me. Maureen's referencing me. a clip from a Paul Rudd interview that has been making the rounds as a meme on Twitter. So I like the show. I'm still sort of trying to figure out how I feel about the ending of of this first season. I don't know if they're going to make more. It's really interesting. But what I like about it is that it's not so much about the idea of whether cloning is good or bad, but it is more of an idea of someone wrestling with themselves, sort of like what's what's good about them, what's bad about them, and trying to have the best of them come out. And that's it's done in a really interesting way. So if you're at all interested in Paul Rudd, I would definitely check the series out. Again, it's only eight episodes, 30 minutes each. Really watchable. Question. Is it Paul Rudd being his normal Paul Rudd self? You know, Paul Rudd has a lot more depth in this show than I've ever seen him give in any other other show. It's not, you know, it's not Academy Award winning, but it's definitely more than he does do the Paul Rudd thing, but it's more than I would have expected. It's worth a watch. That's encouraging. It's at least worth a watch of the first episode if you're not sure. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. I'm looking at her IMDPB. I'm looking at her IMDB page right now. You're not looking at her IMDPB and J page. <laughs> it sounded like what you were gonna say. I'm no, looking I'm at not. her IMDB PB and J. No, I'm not looking at her IMDPB and J page.